Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're going to be talking about Netflix royal drama The Crown and Ali Smith's novel Autumn. Anna has also watched the 2012 film Populaire for the first time, so she'll be telling us how that went later in the show. Hello! Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. So we've had a really great email about our discussion last week of Laurie Anderson's Heart of a Dog. Marissa gets in touch to recommend us some more ambient music. She says, "Um, I don't know how anyone can cope without it. It's always frustrating how people completely shut down and even the slightest hint of weirdness in music. Hey, you can love One Direction and weird spacey bleeps and bloops too. We contain (laughs) multitudes. That is such a seriously belief. Yes, absolutely. So she's gone the extra mile and made us a playlist which is awesome and we will share in this week's show notes so make sure you get those she also says it was quite hard to pick single tracks so do click into particular artists and albums and explore their work if you are interested that's so kind we've been made a mixtape thank you so much marissa we'll definitely share it on all our feeds and everything and i have to say i have been listening to the heart of a dog tracks that don't have the vocals over them since we discussed it oh good so the first thing we're going to discuss this week is the crown which is a netflix drama based on the life and reign of queen elizabeth ii the main scriptwriter is peter morgan who wrote the 2006 film the queen and the play the audience and it stars claire foy as elizabeth and matt smith as philip the first 10 episodes cost 100 million pounds to make which is a massive budget for a netflix show and it just dropped at the end of last week It would help if we could decide here and now on your name. My name? Yes, ma'am. Your regnal name. Uh, That is the name you will take as queen. Let's not overcomplicate matters unnecessarily. My name is Elizabeth. And long live Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, that rumoured hundred million is so, so insane. And I think you can definitely see it in the visuals of the show. Yeah, and just how many exterior locations it has as well. Mm -hmm. I I remember years and years ago hearing an interview with Andrew Davies, who's a scriptwriter of lots of BBC period dramas, including the 1995 Pride and Prejudice that Mm -hmm. everyone loves. And he says you can always tell how much backing your show is getting based on how many times they let people go outside. (laughs) Because the bill just absolutely rockets, especially if it's anything period where you have to like cover up a modern building or lay down a different road surface or have extras. Oh, right. It just makes it cost a fortune. Well, they have basically a reconstruction of the wedding between Elizabeth and Philip, 
which is so insane. And it's not actually in Westminster Abbey. They is used, it not? No, they used a cathedral called e- Ely Cathedral. Ely, Ely, Ely cathedral. in Norfolk, yeah. Just done it up to look a bit like Westminster yeah. Abbey, but it looks amazing, doesn't it? Yeah, because so this the first episode starts in 1947. So it's while Queen Elizabeth is still Princess Elizabeth, but she is, you know, in her early 20s and getting married to the man we now know and love as Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. Yeah. And dad is coughing a lot. Yes. So dad is coughing. George <laughs> opens is... with some coughing. Oh, it's amazing. I saw the Telegraph describe it as like, surprisingly harrowing, seeing a man pretending to be George VI coughing up some blood into a sink. Classic Telegraph. <laughs> but yeah, so George VI, who you know famously died quite young for a Windsor, who was never meant to be king in the first place, his older brother abdicated because of you know that American woman he fancied. He is not very well and he is, he's trying to hide it, essentially. But if you know your dates and you know when the recent Jubilee was and stuff, you know he is not long for this world. Also, if you know like any sort of semi-serious drama, like if someone coughs in the opening <laughs> act, they're dead by the end of the episode, right? Like that's just Chekhov's cough. Yes, quite. <laughs> quite. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of like palace and government machination around the fact that George VI is not well and i was quite surprised when later on in the first episode they actually show him being operated on for lung cancer in an amazing like rococo drawing room or something where they mm. brought all the surgical equipment in um and then they just like remove his lung it looks horrible doesn't it there's yeah. something really like the juxtaposition between like a tumor filled lung and like a red carpet mm. it's just something that you you don't you don't want to see carpet in a surgical room do you but it is that approach which actually made me kind of like this despite thinking i was going to find it quite tedious and a bit plodding which it is in some ways the focusing on the like human micro elements are refreshing i think it's a really difficult task to do something like this right because like a lot of people really really love the monarchy and they really really love a sort of big Mm. lavish show about the monarchy but it's quite hard to do something that's not like completely reverential and like licking the boots of all the all the monarchy or do something where you're actually going to convince people to like them it's mm. like quite a difficult balance to strike and in this it doesn't feel like they're just being like oh the monarchy is so great it doesn't feel like propaganda or anything but you do sort of feel like these are real people and real flawed actual characters that you're sort of getting to know a bit i think claire foy is a great actress i loved yeah. her do you remember the little dorrit miniseries on the yes. bbc she was little dorrit oh, right yeah she did look familiar yeah and i thought she was so great in that and she's got a similar sort of slightly trembling energy in this it's very sweet but a little a little nervous very nervous and she's also got the voice down i think the Mm. the accent which sounds completely weird when you hear it but actually i just to double check brought up the queen's christmas speech from last year and it is how her accent sounds (laughs) it is completely weird it doesn't sound weird when you've got the like the appropriate black and white stuttering images and you're like oh this is from that sort of time then it sort of feels like oh yeah that weird bbc cut glass accent but then when you're trying to like actually live in a drama Mm. with the characters you're like wait what this feels a bit strange i think you do get over that quite quickly i really didn't expect going in to be moved by anything in this program i thought that if i did enjoy it i would 
enjoy it in the way that I enjoy Downton Abbey. And it would be like, look at this ridiculous hammy thing. Ha ha ha. Isn't this Prince Philip line ridiculous? Churchill just said something stupid about Nazis. This is really funny. Nazis. Yeah, Nazis. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I didn't really find that, actually. I, it's not so hammy. It is quite well done. And there was a Christmas time scene set to In the Bleak Midwinter. Not the version I like, but still, it's still In the Bleak Midwinter. And he's basically confronting the fact that he's dying and it's really emotional it's really moving isn't it and i found myself kind of welling up because it's the scene at sandringham which is traditionally where the royal family go for christmas and i guess they're the people from the local village come round carol singing and they invite them in and they're all singing and you see on his face he suddenly realizes like oh this is my last christmas Mm. i don't get to do this again i'm gonna die and he is trying not to cry and yeah, he's really of all the up. subjects and his own family who don't know yet. You feel like the disconnect between everyone else's happiness and your sadness. I was like, wow, did not expect to be feeling moved no. <laughs> watching Netflix is the crown. But there I was and it was actually happening. So I was quite sort of surprised by how good I found it. Yeah, by how watchable and also how kind of quality it feels as opposed to what i would think of as like highbrow trash yeah and i would struggle to put my finger on exactly why i think that this is better than victoria the itv drama about queen victoria we talked about recently it's a different tone isn't it it is i feel like victoria had this slightly breathless air of we're telling you all this for the first time even though there is no way anyone doesn't know the basic facts of the events of the life of Queen Victoria. Whereas this isn't trying to pretend that any of this is like revelatory. It's trying to find the spaces in between the well-known facts. Right? Yeah. And it there's something about Victoria that is like, it's trying to be sexy, pole dark, mm. but a young Victoria pushing towards the like scandal Sunday night soap-esque yeah. period drama style thing, which the crown actually isn't really trying to do. It's definitely trying to be more of a like, here are the political figures you know about. Mm. Here's this like slightly intriguing, mysterious drama that is trying to be yeah. much more serious in that way, which sometimes can be funny and because fa- it fails so much, but this one isn't quite failing. I think you're right, actually. It is the political dimension that's different because although there are really interesting political things about the early life of Queen Victoria, see Lord Melbourne and all of the stuff mm-hmm. going on there, actually, they really just played the Lord Melbourne character as like a potential love interest mm-hmm. slash mentor. Whereas in this, you get loads of politics. So like that scene, the wedding scene, you get... Churchill and Mrs. Churchill hamming it up for the masses by he holds back slightly to make sure that he enters the cathedral like just as the music started so everyone mm-hmm. stands up and he's for in the... an election campaign isn't he yeah he's just about to win um, his second election and become prime minister again even though no one thought he would because he's really mm. old now and you know he everyone stands up to welcome the hero of the nation and there's, there's this little scene where someone I'm not sure who is like look there's Attlee he's our actual prime minister no one stood up for him. And you see a slightly like dour looking Atlee. And, you know, all of that is nuance that just isn't there in something like Victoria. So yeah, it's quite it's quite well done. I saw Nigella Lawson tweet that she was like heartbroken that she had rushed through all ten episodes and that just gave me such a nice image. Like <laughs> Nigella Lawson at home, like maybe with something she whipped up earlier in the fridge that's full of double cream, just like sat there watching the crown. <laughs> Joy of joys. Like the essence of Britishness that yeah. feels like. Um Yeah, so there are ten episodes in this initial release on Netflix. They are already making series two. I saw a news story today about how they took over Trafalgar Square yesterday or something to film something for series two and 
the hope is apparently to make 60 episodes. Jesus. Yeah. That's like a lot. One for every year the Queen has been the Queen, I guess. My God. That's but a lot. It's not... When I initially heard that, I thought they were going for the gimmick of like one a, for every year of her reign. Yeah. But it's not as stagey as that. They don't do like January to December in no. each one. No, good. Well, we'll see where it goes. I'm excited to see how it changes. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Autumn is the eighth novel from Ali Smith. Set in 2016, after a landmark summer that brought the EU referendum, it's billed as part of a seasonal series that, in Smith's own words, seeks to explore what time is and how we experience it. That's so interesting. I didn't know it was going to be part of the series. Yeah, I just read that in an interview that she did in The Guardian, and makes sense apparently she actually had this planned like years and years ago she was like i've always wanted to do a series of four novels with each one based on the different seasons but i guess it's appropriate that she started with autumn because she has a book out every autumn without fail doesn't she she annie smith she just really like churns them out each year this one's quite strange to summarize you can tell that there isn't much plot there in my summary but it's quite meandering and it's not like it follows any real specific events the biggest event in the novel is definitely the referendum which happens just before the novel really sort of is mainly set yeah so it's been billed everywhere as the first brexit novel Mm -hmm. i don't know about first but it is definitely a brexit novel in the sense that it attempts in a literary form to deal with the politics and the thoughts that the referendum provoked so all the way through it although you you don't get any scene where like characters are gathered around a television waiting for the result or anything like that you do get constant reference to like the hate crimes that have been committed since attacks on immigrants or even perceived immigrants like more racism all that kind of stuff is all there bubbling under the surface of every page Mm -hmm. and there's this whole bit where she sort of in a tale of two cities style does like all across the country people were furious all across the country Mm. people were celebrating this whole thing about the divide 
and there's a lot in it about how like you can't actually just do things as yes or no either or you know that sort of idea that you that it just leads to a lot of more dissatisfaction and it's not a very satisfying form of democracy but I, for me i think the brexit stuff was the stuff i liked least about this novel yeah well i don't know whether it's i didn't like it so much as i just like accept it accepted it as a fact and then wanted to know what else was going on Mm. for me i just found it all a bit on the nose Mm. like there was a lot of like there was you know go home was scrawled on the wall and i just felt so disappointed and so miserable and so trapped and all the characters are like really emotionally affected by what's happened even though none of them are sort of really in the demographic to actually be maybe targeted as a Mm. result of something like this I don't know, for me, I just got a vague sense of like, okay, we really get that Alice Smith was not happy (laughs) about Brexit. And neither was I. And I I do agree with everything she writes. I just found it a bit on the nose. Yeah, I think that's fair. There is maybe a bit too much of tell rather than show Mm -hmm. about it. The graffiti is a good example. Also, that whole bit where the main character, Elizabeth, finds this big fence that's been put across what was previously common land. Mm -hmm. And she gets accosted by a security guard because for being too close to the fence and all this kind of thing mm-hmm. there are like echoes of trump in that obviously and also brexit and borders and all that kind of thing yeah and there's a big like climactic moment where her mother throws a barometer yeah. at the fence which just feels like a huge big mixed metaphor that's like really hitting you over the head yeah that's definitely true so the bits that are not to do with brexit or at least directly i agree are much more kind of finely wrought and interesting in particular the relationship between Elizabeth, who in the sort of general timeline of the novel is in her early 30s and she's a, a lecturer in history of art. She mentioned several times her job's at risk of being cut now and mm. all this kind of thing. It focuses on her, the relationship between her and a very elderly neighbour called Daniel, who is kind of in a coma, we think, some kind of... They um, call it the increased sleep period, don't they? Yeah. Where he's sleeping loads and they keep saying that that's basically what happens before you die. Yeah, so he's just constantly asleep in this care home and she goes to visit him loads and she reads to him and she like, tells him what's going on. And so we get that, and then we also get flashbacks to her as a in her early teens and younger, when she and her mother lived next door to Daniel, and he used to like take her for walks and tell her about paintings. And mm-hmm. he just sounds like the best neighbour ever. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a whole thread that I'm not sure I quite fully unpicked myself, where basically Elizabeth's mum is really suspicious of him and thinks that he might be like a paedophile or mm. keeps constantly bringing up the fact that she thinks he's gay, if not... There's some bits where someone who used to be a child star keeps talking about how everyone wants to know whether she was abused growing up. And there's a sort of weird thread in this, I think, about abuse that I'm not quite sure where it ends up or where it's going. But I think it's just contributes to this general atmosphere of like unease and distrust and stuff that's going on in the novel, right? Yes, and the non-acceptance that anyone can just be what they appear to be. Mm -hmm. That he can't just be an elderly man who like enjoys spending time with this bright kid who loves reading. Mm -hmm. There has to be something more to it than that yeah and she has sort of conflicting emotions about him as well doesn't she where he's a huge figure in her life to the extent where she keeps saying his name at night there's a point in her life when she's engaged right Mm. or thinking about getting married and her husband to be or boyfriend is like who is this daniel who you like literally talk about in the middle of the night but you've never spoken to me about Mm. in your day-to-day life the conversations between Elizabeth and Daniel about art and music and stories, that's the kind of Ali Smith writing that I really, really love. 
Uh, and yes. I thought that was great in this. I loved all the stuff about like Pauline Boty, if that's how you say her name. I'm not 100% sure. Not sure. I think so. B-O-T-Y. Mm-hmm. Mm. She's so great at like bringing in like visual art and music into stuff. And she does it so casually. It's never sort of like, Elizabeth then looked at the painting called Nun and Up by, mm. you know, it's, it's always a lot more subtle than that. And I find that really fun going and like trying to figure out what she's talking about, what painting or and like googling for ages so i have now like a little list in my phone of like the references once i'd actually figured out what they were yeah totally and pauline Boti, who was basically the only woman pop artist in the 60s and who's been like forgotten by history but who created all these amazing collages and interesting like paintings and photographs and and stuff and well we're led to believe that she was trying to capture the kind of swinging 60s moment of like sexual mores being relaxed and there's a lot of focus on christine keeler and the profumo Mm. scandal which serves the purpose of being both a political thing which was also about like an overly moralistic state and stuff Mm -hmm. but also a kind of personal and artistic thing i suppose Mm -hmm. because there's this lost painting that Boti did of keeler that um elizabeth is really interested in and that she suspects Daniel knows more about it than he's saying and they kind of fall out about that and I think it's hinted basically that wasn't he Daniel in love with Pauline like he knew her yeah Yeah. I think so yeah as you say there are all these threads there and you can kind of pull at them and work out for yourself but I really love the game that Daniel and the young Elizabeth play and I am I think I'm now going to start playing this with people where he would describe a painting to her yeah. in loads and loads of detail and quite specifically so he used to say so like in the top right hand corner it's quite dark blue and then it fades you know just yeah it's nice which is really really nice and also works really well for a, a reader where there's not illustrations in the book exactly that's why she's like a real mixed media writer isn't she where mm. she can write about stuff without it feeling like oh, I'd rather just see a picture of this. It like becomes its own really cool thing. Even she describes a scene from the movie Alfie mm. in a way that you're just like, I don't. I almost don't want to watch this scene because you've done so well to like describe it in really, really nice detail. Yeah, and also the telling of it tells you something about the character. Mm-hmm. So like the way that Daniel chooses to describe particular paintings tells you that he has some unspoken regret and sadness about this work at the same time as really loving it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Which, yeah, it's just so subtle and clever a way to both write about art and about characters. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I do agree with you on the Brexit stuff feeling a bit laboured sometimes. There were still moments in this book that I think of as like vintage Ali Smith, where she just like reaches out from the page and like pierces your heart. And one of them was this bit which i'll read where it just says we have to hope daniel was saying that the people who love us and who know us a little bit will in the end have seen us truly in the end not much else matters that's so lovely and it's just so heartbreaking especially given that we know that he's basically like lying comatose in this old people's home and elizabeth is the only person going to see him yeah you know and that's exactly it she loved him and it mattered that is a classic ali smith line I had one quote that I really, really liked, which is actually not that in tune with the themes of the book in general, but I just thought it was so sweet. So this is like Pauline Boaty's voice, I think, basically, and it comes towards the end of the novel. She's talking about how she wanted to be a boy when she was younger, but now she's like happy in her womanhood. And she says, The ideal woman, a kind of faithful slave who administers without a word of complaint and certainly no payment, who speaks only when spoken to and is a jolly good chap, but a revolution is on the way. All over the country, young girls are starting and shaking, and if they terrify you, they mean to. Which I just thought was so great, and it's really 60s in its vibe, but also just feels very modern and like right now, if they terrify you, they mean to. 
It's a classic Ali Smith novel in many ways. And it is amazing that she has managed to put so much political discourse into it so near its mm. published date because it really can't have been long between those two things at all. No, exactly. Uh, if you think she really only had like surely two months to work on mm-hmm. it, must be. And yeah, there are definitely things in it that remind me of other Ali Smith novels. So the voice of Elizabeth actually reminds me quite a lot of George in How to Be mm. Both. I feel like there's a curious young woman mm. voice that they share. Yeah. Which is really nice. And some of the writing is completely sublime, even if, Mm. as you said, like it does slightly hit you in the face with the Brexit was bad, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Stuff. But we love Ali Smith, and I can't wait to read the others. It'll just be a great experience. Oh, yeah. The knowledge that there are going to be three more Ali Smith novels in this mold has brightened my day, I have to say. Last week, I recommended that Anna watch the 2012 French film Populaire, which she has now done. Mm -hmm. So Anna, what did you think? Yeah, it's a really unusual film, isn't it? I was amazed the whole way through how much like a 1959 film it felt Mm. because it looks like one. And I don't know how they make the actors look like they're from that time like my boyfriend insists it's the lighting the way they've done this like intense studio lighting on every scene i'm sure there are some like technical things that they did in the 50s that they don't do now that you can get back out or something yeah but, like do you remember when we went to that screening of carol and there was a q a with the director and he was saying how they actually shot it on like old cameras mm-hmm. because no digital film could replicate the like graininess that he wanted because it's obviously very different to carol in that carol's so like somber and Popular sometimes feels a bit like a parody of a 50s mm. film because it's so tongue-in-cheek and light-hearted and even though it's using all those things like a very sort of 1950s soundtrack and very 1950s dialogue and stuff like that it feels like it's poking fun at it at the same time in a way that Carol doesn't. Carol feels like it's trying to update that and make it more like a modern film. There are some there are moments in, in it where I was like, God, yeah, they, this looks like a shot that could be from Carol. Or she'll look just like Rooney Mara with the little ponytail and the mm. fringe. And So the story is basically a young woman just wants to become secretary, is terrible secretary, but very fast typist. Her boss wants, who used to be an athlete of some description or just good at sport, I don't really get that bit of the plot, decides to enter her into a speed typing competition and she's amazing. And that's basically the premise. And it's also like a sort of teacher-student rom-com style thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like uncomfortable at the beginning, right? But they sort of pierce it a little bit. Where she, at the beginning, he says, you're a terrible secretary, but, you know, you could keep your job if you do something for me. And she's a bit like, wait, what? And storms (laughs) out and it's this whole thing. But you do get the sense that he did also hire her because he, he thinks she's really pretty. Yeah. And he does also want to keep her on side because she's really pretty. I do remember feeling quite confident complicated about that relationship especially because he like moves her into his house yeah so that you know her training can be completely supervised by him at all times and that's a little bit uncomfortable as well it's like you partly because there's like a unspoken like sexual element to that and partly also because mm, it's shading into like 50 shades of gray territory about like control 
yeah. over all aspects of a woman's life as well. It's very patriarchal as well, isn't it? In the like, oh, he's an older guy who will teach me things and I'm so yeah. naive and there's a lot of that style of dialogue in it. And then they try and turn it on their heads at some point where in the rom-com narrative, he'll be like, I thought I was teaching you things, but you were teaching me things all along. Even that is something you feel like the guy from an education would say. Mm, why just, does everyone have to be teaching and learning? Yeah. Why can't people just be? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's still, yeah, it just feels a bit like, ooh. But they do really like each other and they have great chemistry and everything. So it's quite enjoyable. There is a moment where she has like aching shoulders People who work in an office, like, yes, they'll feel me on this. And she's, like, aching over her typewriter and he, like, comes around and, like, gives her basically, like, a sexually charged massage to try and, like heal her shoulders and I was like this is my sexual fantasy right <laughs> right here I've had a long day at work and a man comes over and he rubs my shoulders in a slightly sexually charged way and then he fucks off and he doesn't speak <laughs> <laughs> perfect so yeah I loved that and found it really funny so there are some moments where they try and really pierce the the time mm. and the place so like it'll be like all 50s and all the girls look perfect and then someone will just like give the middle finger so there are moments like that where you're like wait whoa am I watching Anchorman <laughs> suddenly the tone has changed I really enjoyed it, actually. I found it really sort of, like, funny and sweet. And I wasn't at any point like, oh, I'm really fed up of this now. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? And I feel like it belongs in a whole, like, category of French films from the last ten years that includes, like, Amelie and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Much in dialogue with, like, the process of making cinema and yeah other films and stuff. It's very referential and quirky woman with big eyes yeah there is that whole thread in it and like the colors all look brighter or something yeah there's a very distinct look to these films when it opened i was like when was this made because it feels like it was made ages and ages ago but i know that it was made in 2012 because caroline told me (laughs) but yeah it's really it's really interesting for that so yeah thanks i liked it it was really left field and a nice change of pace yeah so if anyone fancies a a film with subtitles that isn't long or sad Mm-hmm. this is maybe a good shout yeah and it we, i watched it on amazon instant video okay shout out to <laughs> <laughs> next week for you caroline i thought that we could talk about tarvi gevinson's recent diaries for rookie they're mm. called the infinity diaries we've talked about rookie and tarvi and her work before but um i just think they're really really great and uh she's obviously really developing as a writer and they're really interesting i think they're from a period in her life where she moved to new york and they're sort of about that experience but also about the experience of writing and trying to be a better writer and stuff sounds great i think i have read very short quotes from them because i follow her on instagram so i should definitely seek out the whole product and enjoy it Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including in iTunes, where you could also leave us a rating and a review because it helps other people find the show. Our first ever live event, the Seriously Gilmore Girls quiz, is now sold out, but you can put your name on the waiting list by going to seriouslypod.com and clicking on events. Don't worry if you can't come though, there will be a special episode of the podcast devoted to all things Stars Hollow as well. Also on the website, you'll find all our back episodes, including our specials on Harry Potter, Love Actually and Friends. We're also available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr, SRSLYpod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. (laughs) 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.